Welcome to Heart's Content. I'm your host, William Combs, bringing you a listening experience devoted to learning about people and the things that make them tick. You're listening to episode two, Horsing Around. This episode is focused on learning more about horses and one specific person who is very passionate about them. Today, I am joined by Rachel. So we're going to talk about Rachel's passions today, or at least one of them. And uh, yeah, talk about that. So Rachel, uh, introduce yourself to everyone. Uh, So my name is Rachel, and anyone that knows anything about me knows that I love horses. Horses. So today's topic is going to be horses. Um, I feel like one one thing I should note is... uh, I know very little about horses. I've never ridden a horse. I've always kind of really wanted to. And uh, knowing Rachel, we've always talked about it, but I've never taken her up on the opportunity to actually go meet her horse or ride one. So this will be a good primer so I can go do that later. Uh, so yeah, you've already you've already kind of introduced your topic. Uh, have you ever felt like it's hard to talk about horses in public situations or like stopped yourself because you didn't think people wanted to? I think um, part of my problem is I used to spend like hours researching horses and so as soon as I get started on it it's easy for me to keep going because I'll find something that's related to it and then I think I'm boring people so then I stop. Gotcha. Have you ever actually been told to stop talking about horses? Yeah, plenty of times. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah, a lot. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully that stops and uh, you can talk about horses all you want. Um, yeah, so I guess horses. What, what got you into horses? So when I was really little, um, I was in love with horses. And uh, my mom, we always had horses growing up because my mom loves horses. But I wanted one that was my size. And okay. so when I was four... Uh, I wanted a pony for my birthday, one that was my size, mm-hmm. and I was, um, I asked my parents, and they were like, no, you can't have a pony, like, you can just have, like, the big horses and mess with them, and I was like, I don't want that, and so, um, in my family, we have a tradition on our birthdays, we, um, we go to dinner wherever we want, like, the birthday person gets to choose, and everybody right. goes out to dinner there. And so, uh, four-year-old me was like, okay, well, if, you know, I don't get this pony, I want to go to Disneyland for my birthday. And we lived in Portland. It's a a big dinner. (laughs) I have six people in my family. It was a very big expense. And my parents were like, no, you can't do that. (laughs) And so I was like, um... Well, okay, well, we cannot go to Disneyland for my birthday, and you guys can be liars, or you can get me a pony, and we can go somewhere close. And <laughs> she kind of held him hostage at four. <laughs> and my mom thought that this was so clever of me at four years old that she was like, well, now we have to get her a pony. And so they went and bought, like, this really... Uh, beat up little rescue pony and loaded it up in the back of their minivan and took it back to our uh, our house and was like, here you go, here's a pony for your birthday. And I loved the thing. So I used to like just spend a long time 
like just brushing her and learning how to be around her and whatever because I didn't really know anything about horses and then I told my parents like I want this pony to have a baby and my parents were like she's not gonna have a baby she's way too old and frail and we don't do that like we're not gonna go through all the trouble of you know getting a baby and then uh you know a good like nine ten months later <laughs> They look out in the pasture one day, and they're like, why is there, like, a goat hanging around our pony? And my mom gets the binoculars out, and she looks down at the pony, and she's like, there's a baby horse next to the mare. Like, wow. she, she, <laughs> she had a baby overnight, and we had no idea that she was pregnant. And so it just appeared, and I was like, well, I told you guys I wanted her to have a baby, so. It's, that sounds like that, uh, that TV show, like the nine months pregnant or like surprise yeah, pregnancies or whatever yeah that yeah. one <laughs> yeah. sounds just like that so i had i had those two and then we had the other horses also and then i didn't take lessons until i was nine uh and then i started showing and my mom just ran with all of this because she loved horses and she wanted me to love horses and she wanted me to have the opportunities that she never got to have so that's awesome yeah yeah, so that's that's pretty awesome like to hear. I don't yeah. think I've ever heard that like origin story. Uh so that's that's pretty cool. Hey, especially like the holding your family hostage at four years old. <laughs> so all your parents out there, be very careful for crafty four year olds. My parents don't want to be liars. So. <laughs> yeah, they made a rule after that. The, the the restaurant had to be within three cities away from us. Gotcha. You couldn't drive across the country to go no. somewhere. Yeah. Uh, that's that's probably a smart rule they have in place. Yeah. Uh, on on so so you got into them at a young age. Was there a specific thing about horses, um, or just like the idea of having a pet horse in general? I just really loved horses. I don't know. I just thought they were really pretty. I don't think you can really choose what you like, and so uh, I don't know. I've always liked them, and then as I've gotten older and ridden them. More and like worked with them more I think it's really cool to be able to handle uh, like a horse that literally weighs 10 times more than you do and you know there's a lot of like uh, partnership that goes into that and it's not like other sports where your ball is always gonna do whatever you're doing it like doing to it uh, the horses have an opinion and right. you have to work <laughs> with them to get them to do what you want and that's that's something that came up over the weekend. Your boyfriend uh, is is a wrestler, and he's he's really big. I'm, he can hold his own, but he was talking about meeting your horse. Yeah, like he's not scared of it, but just the idea that it could do something, uh, and he couldn't defend himself against it essentially. And you just kind of go hang out. Does it phase you at all, or are you way beyond that point? I mean, you always have to be cautious around the horses, but it doesn't scare me necessarily um you might be hearing apollo in the background he's having a a field day (laughs) so (laughs) go ahead uh no like if they reiterate it doesn't it doesn't really scare me i don't really think about it uh at the forefront of everything but i mean everything you do is 
centered around these horses can kill you if they choose to very easily. But I mean, it, especially with a horse that you know really well, you trust them and you'll you'll do more things than you would with a horse that you just met or maybe hasn't been worked with at all. Right. So. S- something you kind of touched on a second ago uh, was you got into to showing horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, what all does that really entail? Like, do you do the like jumping or is that a different thing entirely? <laughs> I did a little bit of jumping, uh, but mostly what I did was like Western Pleasure and the equitation stuff. So uh, Western Pleasure and Hunter Under Saddle, I showed the paint horses and so they have a certain way that they want these horses to look and they have a certain way they want them to move and they want them to look like they're a pleasure to ride. That's the Western Pleasure All right. part of it. Makes sense. <laughs> And so, uh, in those classes, you'll go around the arena, and we call it the show pen, or the ring, or whatever, Okay. and uh, the judges will compare the horses and decide which one is moving the best, or like has a pleasant disposition, doesn't look like you're working super hard to get this horse to do what you want it to do, and then they'll rank them based off of that. And then the equitation stuff is... Uh, patterns and so you have a certain set of maneuvers that you need to do around like cones set up a certain way and you have to do everything very precisely and there's pivots and uh gate transitions so like from a walk to a trot or things like that and then you're judged on how correctly you do these things and also how correctly you sit in the saddle and how effortless you make it look. So you're trying to make it look like you're doing nothing at all when you're really controlling every single step that this horse does. So is that is a lot of that the relationship that you form with the horse? You said you definitely build a bond and it's easier to ride with a horse you've known. So does this tie into that or are you able to take a horse that you've known for a, a couple weeks and perform these maneuvers yeah so i had a trainer who she always said that you needed at least a year to really learn a horse and build a solid partnership with the horse and really excel and be the best that you can be at shows with it uh uh, at baylor and the ncea equestrian format is to um uh, you get a horse randomly and you ride it for five minutes in a warm-up and you get a little, like, couple sentences about the horse. And you go and try to do a pattern as well as you can with this horse. And then you get off, and the next girl does the same thing with the same horse and the same pattern. And whoever does it better, uh, the judge awards more points to, and they win the point for the college. So do the, the horses already know these patterns? Because I feel like if they start, the first person would have the more the harder time, and the person at the end, the horse is already used to doing this. Or is it just something the horse has already learned? So you actually don't want the horses to know the pattern at all. Okay. Because once they know the pattern, they'll anticipate it, and they'll probably try to do the things before you cue them to do it. Okay. And with these patterns, like, you'll have, like, a cone A and a cone B, and you want to, you know, walk from cone A, and as soon as you hit cone B, you start a trot. But if the horse knows this, they might start, like, three quarters of the way to cone B. And that's... You're going to get um, points taken off if you don't start exactly at cone B. Everything okay. is very precise. And so, like with my horse that I showed at the paint shows, uh, we would either have to practice the pattern backwards or just pieces of it or not at all. 
because uh, he would anticipate and just ruin everything. <laughs> so I guess kind of going off that, are horses more kind of like anxious, like they're ready to do things in a way? or It depends on the horse. Okay. Every horse is different, just like people or dogs or anything. So some horses, you could run the same pattern a hundred times. It will. It's so dumb or just doesn't think for itself enough to it just won't anticipate ever okay. and then there's ones that are extremely smart or anxious or just try really hard that will learn the pattern after maybe even just one time of running through the pattern and they'll start doing things and so it just depends on the horse and everybody gets along with different horses better than others and so finding a horse that's a good fit for you and your riding style is a big uh, big part of selling in the show then nice so you you'd mentioned this earlier and and come up this weekend as well uh you train horses you like to train horses right i have trained horses and i do enjoy training horses is is there a specific like a technique that makes it easier for you or is it just your general love for horses that makes because the story came up of you taking a horse that nobody at baylor liked and that was hard to work with and after several months of working with you, it became the team's favorite. Um, so what was your kind of approach to taking on a horse like that? Uh, so I get along with the really anxious horses that tend to overthink everything. Okay. Um, like, my horse, he doesn't like to walk, and he can't really practice the patterns beforehand when you go in a show pen, and he will try to just go to the middle or do something to get me disqualified when I'm at a show. <laughs> Uh, and, um, this horse, he just wouldn't stand still and he would just get extremely anxious whenever you're trying to do anything with him. And they asked so much out of the college horses that he was just very stressed out by it. And so, um, with him, I was so used to dealing with my anxious horses, uh, yeah. cause even before the horse that I used to show, uh, my other horses were anxious too, that I really loved. So, um. I was very used to dealing with that kind of horse, and so I just used those techniques that I had learned riding the other horses and applied it to this horse. And then he got a lot better um, and didn't freak out quite so much when the other girls would ask so much out of him. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so so you have a horse yes. currently. Yes. Um, what is your horse's name? His name is Cosmo. There's another name that he goes by, though, right? His registered name is Do You Want to Dance? Do you want to dance? Right. Yeah. So that was that was one of the things that came up a while back. Uh, do horses generally have like pet names like Cosmo or like Apollo or Wendy? Or do they generally have like titles or, like do you want to dance? Does it differ or is there like a format people follow? So they'll have a registered name that they'll use at shows. And so uh, those are how you can find them in the breed registries and things. And so Cosmo's name is Do You Want to Dance? But obviously you don't want to call them Do You Want to Dance or whatever uh, all the time. And so they'll have a barn name. And so okay. his barn name is Cosmo. Is it sort of like, I know there's something for actors where they can't have the same name when they register. Yeah. Is it the same for horses? Like yeah. you can't have the same horse you, name? You can't. And so when you go to register a horse, they have a few different lines where you can be uh, where, where you can have other options. So if they reject option A, they can choose like B or C, or you can just leave those other options blank. They'll send it back and you can think of something entirely new. So is, do you want to dance the first choice you had for your, 
for Cosmo? We didn't get to choose his name. We bought him when he was six, and he okay. had already been showing. And so you generally register the horse when they're a baby because it's the cheapest. Okay. And then especially if you're going to show them when they're young, they kind of need a name for the shows. And then once they get points, uh, which is what you get when you do well at free shows, uh, then you can't change their names anymore. And you get a okay. point when you beat like two or, two or three other horses in a class. So is there sort of like a, you mentioned points and yeah. I immediately went to video games. <laughs> is there like a experience level up system where you win so many, you go to the next rank kind of thing? Yeah, so uh, when you get 10 points in an event, you'll get a register of merit. You, you and your horse will. Um, and then once... Uh, you get 50 points in an event. You'll get a superior in it. And then there's also ones for like super horse or versatility or whatever. It just depends on the breed. And then uh, for people, it's uh, you you start out being a novice. Okay. And so once you get 50 points in an event, it doesn't matter like with what horse. Uh, as soon as you get 50 points, then you point out it's called pointing out, and then you have to go into the regular age groups, and you're not a novice anymore. Okay. Yeah. And is there anything beyond that, or just the? Uh, is that kind of the the top? Yeah, <laughs> kind of superior is pretty okay. tough to get. So gotcha. It's a pretty big deal to get a superior. Awesome. Uh, is so you did Baylor? Does pretty much every college have a equestrian team, or is? specific to the region that they're in because i imagine some locales might be harder for horses or it's so they have for ncea there's not a whole lot of them i don't remember how many exactly there are it's actually considered an emerging sport because there's not enough uh teams uh at the moment that do the ncaa equestrian it's very expensive for the schools to get into and so it's tough to get the schools to want to put all of this together just for a sport that's going to make them lose a lot of money essentially that's fair because you've mentioned several times about uh how expensive it is to have a horse um you have to pay for the barn for him to stay and then pay for like food and just general welfare yeah like several times more expensive than a regular pet correct yeah, yeah, it's not a cheap hobby. Right. <laughs> uh, and then is it is it hard? Would it would it be easier if you weren't living in a city to keep a horse, or does it not really matter much? It, it would be cheaper to not live in the city and have a horse, especially like if you have your own land. It's cheaper to own a horse that way because you're not renting out like a stall or anything. Um, but yeah, the closer you get to the city, the more expensive it is. Gotcha. Um, and then what is, what is like a, how often do you have to go visit and like groom and like take care of the horse or should you do that every day kind of thing? Or is it like, you can get away with it like once a week or. I mean, you can go out as often as you want. Uh, if you're not the one that's taking care of him, like feeding him and cleaning the stall, you don't have to go out there every day. So like for me, I go out there a couple times a week and I brush him and do whatever ride. Um, and then there's some other horses that I go up to in Georgetown and I also do the same thing up there once a week. So don't get bored. So is that, is that just, do you just go out there for the horses that are on your own? Is that just a fun pastime or is it 
are you actually like working with some other people to to work with these horses? Uh, so before my horse got to Texas, mm-hmm. um, I was going through horse withdrawal, and I was really just needing some horse time. And so I was like, I'm gonna lease a horse or something. Like I just need to get my horse fixed. And so I went on to Craigslist, and there was this ad that was like. I don't want any money to ride my horse. I just want somebody to ride it who can work through these issues that I, like, have with my horse. And so I was like, okay, like, this is free. This is great. And, like, I don't mind training horses, so I'll call. And I called this lady, and she was really nice, but she made it sound like her horse was going to kill me. (laughs) (laughs) That that sounds a little terrifying. Like, you've never met this person or this horse, and it comes in, like... (laughs) She was like, you might kick out at you and like when his tail goes up and he just takes off like you're not gonna stop him and like he'll buck at the canner and things I was like you know what like I'm so desperate for like a horse and this is free I'm gonna go and try this still I I love that you've used (laughs) withdrawals and getting your fix to describe this because it really I feel like at least for me adds a lot of like context on how passionate how much how much horses mean to you? <laughs> you really are like coming, like going through withdrawals, not being around horses for a long time. Yeah, my dad has uh, compared it to crack. For me, so <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> yeah, so I went out there and I like you know I thought this I was very cautious around this horse. His name was Tater, and. Uh, I, you know, I started working with him and I was like, he's really not, not that bad. And then I get on him and I started like seeing what he knows and he's like incredibly well trained and any of these problems that his owner had talked about were very minor compared to how she made them sound. And I, I was like, your horse is really nice. Like he knows a lot. And she's like, yeah, he's, he's done a lot. I just don't want to like oversell him. And I was like. Well, you definitely, like, oversold him in the wrong direction. <laughs> Just, like, completely undersold him. <laughs> yeah. So I used to go out there, like, two or three times a week when my horse wasn't there. And then mm-hmm. when Cosmo came down to Texas, um, then I just go out there on the weekends and mess around with them then. How did Cosmo deal coming from Oregon, yeah. right, all the way down to Texas? So we had actually bought him from texas like nine okay. years ago or however long it was <laughs> and uh he he handled like that transition fine but i think coming back this direction was a little bit more rough because he was used to the winters up in washington right uh, oregon i live right on the border so he used to live <laughs> this... interchangeably and uh I came down and his hair was like twice as long as all the other horses. Wow. <laughs> so when they had like those 80 degree random days of the winter, he would just start sweating and it feels bad. But when it was pulled out, he was probably the warmest horse in the barn. So Has it kind of readjusted by this point, his fur, his hair? Yeah, yeah. His hair is a lot shorter than it was last year, so. Lots of things tie into horses. We were on the lake earlier this weekend and we were talking about something completely unrelated and it came back to horses how often does that happen where you're talking about something completely unrelated but the specific thing is something that's also used in horses 
No, it, ha- it happens pretty often. Uh, I feel like a lot of it is because I just, when I was growing up, I used to spend hours every day just researching horses and reading encyclopedias and studying like 4-H handbooks and whatnot. And so I still have a lot of that knowledge from when I was growing up. And mm-hmm. um, it's easier to relate back to all of that because there's so many things that I just happen to read about that might uh, apply. Do you still spend some of your free time researching some of these things? Or is it just kind of a, as it comes up, you pick things up kind of situation at this point? Uh, I would say more of the second option. Okay. Yeah, I don't have as much free time as I used to. Fair um, enough. But, I mean... I do a refresher course, I guess, sometimes when I'm, like, especially when I'm thinking about, like, teaching other people about horses, and I'm like, okay, the essentials, I gotta make sure, like, I'm not teaching people wrong. Right. Because uh, you can't really afford to be lazy when you don't really know what you're doing, and so you gotta teach them right. That's, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, when you were a kid studying all this, was there ever a push to not spend so much time on it? Or you had said your mom was really into horses, so there's probably a bit more of a push to keep doing that? Yeah, my mom let me do it as much as I wanted. We moved to a house with more like an, of an actual barn. So we used to live on uh, like two and a half acres-ish with like a little two-stall barn. Mm-hmm. And uh, there wasn't really anywhere to ride, but we always had some horses on there. And then we moved to a house that had eight and a half acres and an eight-stall barn, and, like, an arena, and all of this stuff um, that was more conducive to riding. And so, um, anytime I wanted to go out there, I was out there. And I never really hung out with people. I just hung out with, like, my horses and people that I happened to be in 4-H with. And um, everybody knew me as a horse girl, and I was totally fine with that. I skipped all of my high school dances and my graduation to go to horse shows. (laughs) Wait, wait, you missed your own... You missed your own graduation for a horse show? Yeah, yeah, I did. So uh, that was in 2010, yeah. So I had just gotten Cosmo the year before, and I wanted to get on a college equestrian team, but I started, like, the breed shows kind of late for that stuff, and so I needed to get some awards. And also, like, I just wanted to, like, go to shows. And um, so... During the time of my graduation, there was also the Pinto World Show, and uh, I could go to the graduation where pretty much most people have a graduation, like a high school graduation, or I could go and try to be like a world champion in something, and so obviously like, I'm going to try to be a world champion in something. Uh, so the day of my graduation... Um, my trainer got on my horse, and she um, ended up getting second, so she was reserve world champion in the Open, which was, like, where all the trainers compete. Mm-hmm. So that was a pretty big deal. Like, I was elated. And then I had a class uh, pretty soon after that, and I ended up winning it. And so the day that I missed my graduation, I actually became a world champion. And so it was well worth missing uh, to go do that. So uh, you you mentioned not tons of colleges have this. Was being a world champion something that you feel gave you an edge in getting into Baylor's program? Or were there multiple options you were looking at as far as that goes? Because you were coming all the way from Oregon. To come all the way down to Texas seems like a huge like leap. So there's not really any um, 
NCEA equestrian teams in Washington or Oregon, they have IHSA uh, equestrian teams, which are the club version and anybody can get on. But if you want to be on the NCEA version, you have to be recruited because it's an actual sport and then you can get a scholarship for it and whatnot. And so if you wanted to get considered for one of those teams, you needed to have shown on a national level uh, generally. Otherwise, it was a lot tougher to get on. And so, uh, I mean, I looked at Texas especially because I have a lot of family in Texas. So it made sense if I was going to have to go far away for for college, I might as well go where I have family nearby. For some reason, and I know horses aren't specific to like south of the U.S., but I am I when I think of horse shows and things like that, I tend to think of like southern bells and like horse like going out to feel. I don't know the names of these things. Like going out to the track, I guess, and like yeah, like racing. Yeah, having like the huge southern hats and stuff like that. Is that a southern tradition or is it like a across the U.S. kind of thing? I. It's, it's not really like that for the pink shows. Um, you'll see a lot of people in like cowboy like boots and jeans and whatnot, and a lot okay. of like rhinestones or whatever. And um, like the type of shows that you go to really depend on what region you're okay. in. So, um, like in Texas, in De- in like the Dallas area, um, like Pilot Point has a lot of like really nice. Western trainers and horses and everything. And then, like, in Austin, there's not really a whole lot of Western uh, going on. It's a lot of English, like, jumping and dressage and whatnot, which is interesting, but... Entirely different from, like, derby, right? Yeah, no, none of that's racing. But there are, like, racetracks. Um, Like, I went to a racetrack this year, earlier this year for the first time, and that was very different than any of the shows I've ever been to so have you ever worked with a horse that is a derby horse or is that an entirely different like a breed that you don't interact with so I I've worked I've ridden horses that they're called off the track thoroughbreds like that used to be racehorses and I've ridden them before but I've never had one that was just straight from the track because that's a little terrifying to me just because they're trained different so with um like our horses you pull on the bit in their mouth Mm -hmm. and they're supposed to slow down and these horses you pull on their mouth and they're supposed to go faster okay (laughs) (laughs) i can see that being like a a disconnect like if you're used to breaking and so you try and it just goes faster and faster yeah what's something that you think people get wrong about horses like a common misconception people have uh ponies are not baby horses okay <laughs> is that a big one that people yeah, come with yeah there's a lot of people who see a pony and they're like oh look it's a baby horse and we're like no that horse is like 18 he's just small but yeah baby horses are foals ponies are their own their own little thing they're Interesting. just very short I didn't know people I feel like that's something I knew but I again I don't talk horses enough so I I don't know if I would have made that mistake. If I just saw one in the wild, I probably would think it was just a small horse. Uh, is there like a defining traits to identify pony versus small horse? 
so they have miniature horses, which are the same proportions as big horses, just shrunk down to a miniature size. Okay. And then there's um, ponies, which don't have the same proportions. They have to, they tend to have thicker bones. And then um, they also, depending on the breed, um, like the, just the general height cutoff, they're okay. less than 14 to hands 14 foot two hands a hand is four inches so you okay can, <laughs> you can do that mental math too. i was trying to i thought you were gonna say 14 <laughs> feet and i and no. <laughs> so that's pretty gigantic yeah 14 two is generally the cutoff for a pony so. okay i'm curious do you know the origin of using hands as a measurement for horses i've heard about it before but i want to just say they were doing this to try and like figure so just put your hand like sideways yeah put your hand sideways and then like it's roughly four inches and so they'd be like oh it's 14 hands stacked against each other interesting and so you'll never have like a a horse that's like 14.5 hands because it ends at four and so 14.2 is 14 and a half hands okay yeah Okay. A lot of people tend to get that wrong too, which is pretty fun to look at and like say lads. You'd be like fourteen point five hands. Well, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this person doesn't know what they're talking about. They're trying. So. Have you ever encountered that on like going to a show or something with and someone's there that knows nothing about horses, but they're or like doesn't know essentials that they should know to be at the competition or something like that? Or? Uh, generally, the bigger shows, like the breed shows, you don't really see that because everybody's working with the trainer and there's a lot of politics that go into it. So you want to be with the trainer or you need your, like, you're spending a lot of money to go there. And so you're going to go to win. But the smaller shows that are very local, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I've seen some very terrifying things like <laughs> horses taking off, like horses flipping over on people. Uh, horses getting like kicking out when the like kid that was riding should have definitely known to not put their horse there or like there was one show I was at uh, like five years ago and uh, oh, a horse got loose and it ran straight into my dad's suburban wow. <laughs> it just went nuts <laughs> wow was, yeah so was there like a huge dent I imagine no there no? was actually like no dent but it ran into my dad's yeah it's like the craziest things happen there um one of my friends he was really little i think he was like 11 um this was back in like middle school or high school or something he was at a show a little local show and his horse uh got scared and it reared and then um when you when a horse rears you're supposed to like press down on its neck and try to force its way back forward um, because if you pull back on the reins, you can throw it off balance backwards and then it'll fall on you. Well, he was so young and that his reaction was to pull back. And this horse lost his balance backwards and fell on him and shattered his pelvis. And so he uh, had to go to the hospital and was afraid to ride for a long time at the canary. And so because he was canering when it happened. And so uh, that happened at a local show. Uh did the horse get injured during that or the horse i think was fine so i've seen i've heard i've been at shows where horses had to be put down due to injuries too so because i've I've heard um that horses are very like fragile they're very sturdy and they're very fragile at the same time right it's very uh very like 
I don't know the right word. Just fascinating how sturdy yet fragile they are. Because they seem like they can, like, just looking at them, you'd think they could hold their own pretty well. Yeah. But I've definitely heard stories and people talk about how, like, if you prefer... If you do the wrong things, you can really hurt the horse or like their yeah. bones can like their legs can break pretty easily so, and stuff like that. Or I mean, yeah, one of my friends back when I was showing at the breed show, she had a horse that was perfectly fine. And then her trainer let it out to go run around the arena before they went to a show. And as it was running, it ended up fracturing its knee randomly. And that horse actually didn't need to be put down. She was just on stall rest for a long time. But yeah, she... Uh, she fractured her knee just running. Um, wow. A lot of the threat of the fragility of horses, I think, um, comes from like feeding, honestly, because uh, the horses can't throw up, and so they'll colic, and uh, that's like when they have a stomachache. Yeah. And so, like, you feel bad, you throw up, you feel better. Well, the horses can't do that, so they'll roll around trying to feel better, but their stomach isn't encased in muscle like ours are, and so they'll twist around and ah. then their intestines are all twisted and nothing can go through. And so then they die unless they have surgery. Wow. And this can be triggered by like a bunch of stuff. Like they eat too much sand or you change their feed suddenly. You fed them a, like a few hours off of when you like normally feed them or like, just they got stressed out or there's all these, wow. just a whole bunch of reasons that you can, trigger all this colic and uh, bad things happen so. that is that is definitely i did not know a horse could not throw up that's yeah wow i thought that was like a, every animal did that kind of thing no no hmm? interesting so uh we've been talking for like 30 or so minutes about horses uh how do you feel after spending 30 minutes teaching me about horses and talking about things that Prior to today, I had, like, no idea about... I mean, I I love, like, talking about horses, and I love teaching people about horses. And so, uh, I mean, anybody that shows me any interest at all in horses, I am totally willing to jump on and then maybe tell them probably too much. <laughs> so, like, just being able to talk for this long makes me very happy. Because right. I love talking about horses. They make me very happy. Like, I would keep talking for a lot longer about all of this. <laughs> Based off what you know you've said and what you know you know, approximately what percentage of your horse knowledge have we covered? Oh, not even close to any of it. It's like 10% like, maybe? No. No? No. no. <laughs> wow. There's a lot more that... I would say maybe like 2% at most. Because I feel like we, we didn't cover pretty much anything about anatomy or biology no. i feel like you know a lot about that yeah um barely cover like grooming and things like that talked a good bit about shows but still no, we <laughs> barely covered anything about shows yeah <laughs> there's there's a lot of stuff that go into horses and then like just like the politics that go into shows and um what you do with shows, how you enter them, like what's required to go to a show. There's there's so much more than just like safety issues. Right. Like general how to. So you definitely like talking about your topic. Do you ever find it hard to engage with someone when they're talking about their topic that you have no idea about? 
I think it just depends on how the person explains it. Like, okay. if, if they really love something, like, even for me, like, it's hard to remember that not everybody knows, like, just what you consider the basics. Um, and so having to take a step back and being like, oh, well, people might not realize that a halter is what goes around the horse's head. Like, it's not a harness, it's a halter. Uh, Which you taught me this weekend is where halter talk gets its name from, right? Yes. Yeah. Just random. That's what we were talking about. Yeah. That's what I was trying to remember that was just the random horse knowledge. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Just uh, being able to take a step back and explaining that stuff really helps uh, make you, like, able to follow along. And then if if you're talking to the person, you can clearly tell like how passionate they are about this topic it makes it a lot easier to listen to too because you might not be personally interested in it but just their overflowing interest and love for this topic makes you want to engage and learn more about it so this um that sort of makes me think of i know we've talked previously about watching streamers on twitch and i think one of the things that we both really like are whenever the person we're watching is really good at describing what they're doing or introducing new people to the game that they're playing. And so it's kind of ties into that, doesn't it? Where if they're good at doing like explaining and introducing it, uh, it definitely makes it easier for you to get into this thing that you normally wouldn't have been in. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like I've never watched or I've never played Fortnite or PUBG or Rainbow Six Siege ever but i watched a ton of gameplay in it and so when they can explain like oh we're choosing this gun over this one because of whatever personal preference they have oh well that makes sense like you watch out for that later and then maybe one day if i happen to decide to play this uh you know i'll already have that in my mind and might sway my decisions nice um before we like do the final sign-offs what's the like one thing you want other people to take away about this topic if they skip to the end of this podcast and this is what they hear what do you want people to know about horses uh horses are just they're big beautiful animals and they're really just like giant puppy dogs and okay they're not as scary as you would think like if you if you want to go out and see horses just take somebody knowledgeable with you and you're you're gonna have a good time like it's as long as you just remember that they are big but they're also very gentle like and and i feel like that's good animal knowledge in general um because i've definitely met people who are like scared of dogs but it's just because they don't know how to interact or whatnot and so if you take someone who has dogs or who's really good with dogs they can calm the dog down Similar how you can make sure the horse isn't giving off signs of stay away from me. Yeah. And you can kind of help them know where to pet or like whether or not the horse actually wants that. Animals get off body language. And so if you have somebody that can read the body language and help you get comfortable with these animals, they're very rewarding to work with. Perfect. Well, thank you for coming on to Heart's Content. Thanks for having me. I hope that you got to talk at least a little bit to your heart's content. (laughs) um and for everyone listening thank you for listening uh very much appreciate it and i'll catch you next time on episode three adios